Hi, friends. There were some audio troubles on this week's episode, and we had to use the backup recording. Unfortunately for you, that means that uh, you can hear me at times breathing quite loudly and or tapping into the mic, and I'm unable to edit that out because Rashid and I are on the same track on this backup recording. So this episode is a little bit more ASMR-centric than usual, um, which I hope enhances rather than detracts from your enjoyment of it. Shattering your notions of the possible. It's Infinite Horizons Radio with Michael McMurtaugh. Good evening, listeners. The moon is high in the sky. The fog radiates off the pavement like a ghost searching for its child. And that means it's time once more for Infinite Horizons Radio. Darlene has an open lines guest for us tonight. Blake, welcome to Infinite Horizons. Ah, thank you for having me. What uh, what brings you to the program tonight, Blake? Um, I'd like to talk about um, I'd like to talk about taxidermy. Taxidermy, interesting subject for yes. the show. Anything? Well, I'll let you take it away. Well, um, I live in the United States, and I. I like to taxidermy things, but not what you think, not animals per se. Um, I like to taxidermy former neighbors. Former Blake, I'm, (laughs) I, I, I just want to understand here. um... Blake, are, are, are you, are you confessing to murdering and stuffing your neighbors on a, on a nationally syndicated radio program? Oh, I don't murder them. I just stuff them. Someone else does the murdering. Blake, why don't you start at the beginning for me? How did you get involved with taxidermy? <laughs> well, uh, it's, I'm a seventh generation taxidermist, actually. I was uh, raised uh, by my uncle who was a local taxidermy baron. Um, he uh, had an affinity to uh, for going into the woods and catching and capturing and, you know, uh, neutralizing. We don't like to use the word kill. We like mm. to use the word neutralize. Uh, neutralizing, um, you know, woodland mammals, uh, raccoons, possums, uh, marmots, things like that. Um, I segued into taxiderming humans, um, I would say in my 20s. Um, every time, you know, I, I live in, uh, I live adjacent to a, a retirement assisted living community. So the, uh, the subjects I can taxidermy are, are plentiful, let's just say, because they're senior citizens who have, have crossed over. Uh, but I, listen, I know it sounds, it sounds weird to someone who's not in the, in the, in the spaces that I'm in. It sounds weird, right? But it's not, I promise. It's, I'm giving these people a party when they, when they die. Now, I don't kill them. I don't neutralize them. I just stuff them and... 
dress them as if we were an Alice in Wonderland Mad Hatter party. And we have tea parties. You don't neutralize, but you do stuff and costume them for tea parties. Yes, yes. Now, elegant tea parties. Before we get on to the tea parties, um, no, you know what? Let's get on to the tea parties. <laughs> Tell me all about the tea parties. Do you do you manipulate them with, say, like an oversized marionette setup, like a weekend at Bernie's tea party? Um, it's more of a um, it's more of a. No, it's not a weekend at Bernie's. Nothing as raucous as that. Um, more of a, um, a Queen's high tea. Like I said, very elegant, very demure, very, uh, very, it harkens back to a time where you, you had tea time and you would have your guests come over for, you know, bite-sized sandwiches and crumpets and it, it's very elegant. Everyone's very clean. It's not, there's not a lot of music. There's the faint sound of a violin in the background, a little bit of harp, um, and just tea with friends. They're all my friends. Anyone I stuff is a friend for life. Now, is, is that why, what, 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 is, is the noise factor what would keep you from enjoying, say, a more conventional tea party with, um, living friends or relatives? Oh, yes. I can never do a, a tea party with other people who are breathing. I just, uh, I, I'm triggered by that. Uh, I, I prefer my tea parties a little bit, almost silent, um, with just me and my, my guests of my choosing. And the ones I choose are the ones I stuff. And anyone who gets stuffed knows that they have an open invitation to any of my tea parties at any given time. The door is always open. Repeats are always welcome. Oh, yes. Yes. We have some, we have, you know, it's like a party. You know, some people, um, some people come at the beginning of the party. Some of the guests come in the middle. Some stay the whole time. Some come right before it's over with. It, it, it's it's a revolving door, a cavalcade of friends. Blake, can you tell me about some of the more interesting friends that have joined you at these tea parties? Oh, yes, I would love to. Well, there is one, you know, there's one neighbor, um, Myrna is what we'll call her for the sake of anonymity. Mm. Um, she had... Um, we suspect that she had uh, uh, been killed by her cat in the bathtub. She was uh, taking a bath, and it, when the coroner found her, it appeared that the cat had knocked over a hair dryer into the tub and electrocuted Myrna. Oh, my goodness. Um, uh, it, you know, a shocking way to go out, mm-hmm. but obviously, you know, she had nothing else to do, so why not have her as the premier guest at my summer tea party you know in the summertime the tea parties are moved out to my garden oh interesting well that that would would make sense on the face of it at first i was kind of thinking about smells but then i remembered that these people have all been taxidermied and that's not an issue oh yes they're stuffed and they're sealed and they're glazed you know it's a process you know taxidermy is not just oh i'm gonna shove a bunch of old newspapers into the to the cavern that used to be your body it's a it's an actual science and um 
you know, I like to showcase that science to my neighbors. So when they pass by in the summer and they see me having these, you know, tea parties with friends, everyone stops and stares. And I know that they're staring because they're jealous and that they can't attend the party. Now, along that line, there's a couple times here where you have you, you've sort of implied that there is maybe a consensual element to this posthumous stuffing. Um, you, you sort of implied that you were giving these people a great honor uh, or, or a great party by, by doing this. Is this something where people are aware of what's going to happen to them after they pass? Do you have these sort of arrangements made in advance? Uh, well, well, the arrangement is made with the, the uh, assisted living community that these people live in. Oh, you're getting a sort of like um, uh, a, a bulk warehouse discount and, and immediate access. Um, yes, it's, it's not so much immediate. Um, it's not, uh, I wouldn't say it's cash on delivery. I would say it's unclaimed bounty of bodies. So it's sort of like when, uh, if, if you worked somewhere that had a lost and found and someone turned in a wallet with $200 after a month, no one's picked that up. It's sort of, it's sort of your money now, isn't it? Correct. Yes, but think of that in the sense of like, you know, someone who's died and their relatives have not come and claim them, or maybe they were their last, they were the last living relative in their family. Mm. Maybe they were disowned by their family. They died in that assisted living facility. No reason why they shouldn't be allowed to come to my tea party. So I understand now that, um, of course, you're not directly responsible for um, these people's passing. Uh, all the anecdotes that you've related so far have been of people passing naturally through this assisted living home. But um, earlier you, you mentioned that there was someone that does, in fact, uh, neutralize, I believe, was the euphemism that you'd used um, subjects. Oh, yes. Well, no. Neutral. Yes. Well, yes. There is some sometimes. Yes. So what are the other some of the other, I guess, demos of uh, the demographics of tea party attendees that uh, you need some help from this outside person with? Um, you know, um, someone who is in the the later seasons of their life. Um, who they don't have much else to do in life, but just be over the age of 90. And I, you know, contact my neutralizer and he handles it. Here's, here's what I'm not understanding. Is I don't... This all seems like it would be extremely resource intensive, but what I'm not understanding is where you're generating any sort of, of, of income or something that, 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 that sort of keeps this whole wheel rolling. Oh, oh, yes. Well, I'm independently well. Oh, seven generations of taxidermists uh, resulted in, in generational wealth somehow. Of course, yes. I mean, yes, taxidermy was a, a cash cow at one point in the United States history of taxidermy. It was a cash cow. Everyone, if you, if you were a taxidermy family, that meant you had a good pedigree. You came from a good family, the best schools, everything. And you had a, you had amassed a lot of wealth because back in the day, 
people wanted stuffed animals. What do you think stuffed animals, what do you think modern day teddy bears came from? Well, I'd heard that they came from uh, the sort of perhaps tall tale of, of Teddy Roosevelt killing a bear with his, well, bare hands, if you'll excuse the pun. Exactly, yes. But who do you think stuffed the bear? My Blake great senior, uncle. senior, 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 senior. Yes, my great, great, great uncle was President Teddy Roosevelt's personal taxidermist. Fascinating. Yes, that's where modern day teddy bears come from. And the bear in question that Teddy Roosevelt killed was a cub. It wasn't a full grown bear. That's what the folklore doesn't. Uh, that I did tell not you. know. That makes more sense, though. Oh yes, that's why teddy bears are so little because they're baby bears. Oh, you know that's really oh, interesting yes. because I, you know, maybe this is classist on my part, but I had always thought of of taxidermy as a very lonely and low paid kind of job. You know, sitting along the trap line uh, catching squirrels or whatever, and, and and barely making ends meet. But that's um that, that's really interesting to kind of learn about this whole other side of it. Well, I mean, the ones who wait by the traps, those are usually um how do I put this uh, in a way that's not offensive. Um, those are usually Appalachian or Ozark taxidermists. Mm. You know, you know, living in the states of uh, Arkansas, Kentucky, Missouri, uh, they have a different flavor about them. A sort of um, where, whereas you might be like sort of a, an old money taxidermy, they're like a new money taxidermy, or a oh, no money taxidermy. Say, I would say limited money. If you're doing it in Arkansas, Ohio, Missouri, Kentucky, uh, you know, just living off, they're literally living off the land, whereas I'm living off of the wealth amassed by my family. Right. <laughs> so getting back to then another sort of question I had, um, how have you avoided, you and, and your sort of uh, counterparts in this operation, um, the long arm of the law to this point? It seems like something that would certainly attract the attention of, of someone in authority at the nursing home. Oh, well, you know, nursing homes, they, they exist for a very specific reason, and that's not to be lawful. <laughs> Can you clarify what you mean by that? Oh, well, yes. I mean, you know, I, listen, nursing homes in the state that I live in, they they just, they're like you mentioned earlier, a warehouse wholesale bulk vibe. So they're literally housing our elderly and infirmed uh, at a bulk rate, and they get the money from the government, and they don't really care what happens after these guests at my tea party expire. But you've never, say, had um, a bystander look over the fence at one of your outdoor tea parties and, and call the police and uh, report a disturbance. There, there's not been any sort of I, I guess I'm just surprised that after this long um, undertaking the actions that you have that that and, and, and calling into national radio programs to talk about it. I'm surprised that that hasn't caught oh. up with you yet. Oh, no. I mean, listen, we've obviously had police stop by. I mean, I am a black man doing this, so there's a variety of reasons why the police will stop by my house. Mm. Let's just be honest. Mm. Um, the main one is that I'm black. Um, that, you know, the, the fact that I'm hosting these tea parties with uh, my guests, 
that's not the reason that the police would stop at Mars. Now they've stopped before, and they've joined. They've actually joined us for tea. I'll have you know that the chief of police actually sat down with myself and also a city social worker, a mental health employee, mm. uh, and we and we had tea one day. And they asked me a series of questions, and at the end of that questioning, I continued on with my tea party. How does the chief take his tea? The chief takes it um, uh, with a dash of milk and three sugar cubes. Now, this is a little bit off topic, but I'm, I'm curious if you have a favorite kind of tea. I've recently discovered uh, something called Lapsang Souchong, which is like a, a smoked Chinese tea. It's got kind of all the things that I like in scotch, but in a tea instead. Yes, um, my favorite tea um, is actually this Japanese cherry tea. Mm. Um Yes, it's it's it, it, it's loose leaf, uh, so you you actually need a tea set, mm-hmm. a tea kit, uh, in order to consume it. It doesn't come in the bag form. Th- those are you know the those who throw dinner parties with tea bags. Uh, those are those are uh, low brow people, if I could say so. Of course, yes. I mean, it's it's well known that uh, a truly aristocratic tea party must have at the very least a tea ball. Oh yes, yes. You need you need a set, a kit. Uh, you need the, tea is a ritual. Uh, tea harkens back to a time where we were civilized. Um, mm. These days, you know, you know, everyone's going to a Tim Hortons and <laughs> getting a dollar ninety nine tea in a styrofoam cup. Now that doesn't say civilization to me. It might say it to you, but not mm. to me. <laughs> no, no, no. I I'm with you a hundred percent here, Blake. Um, speaking of of getting things and, and, and society. I'm, I'm trying to understand here what it is that motivates you to um, stuff people and, and host these tea parties with them. Well, listen, I, I have my big mansion. It's 11 bedrooms and six bathrooms. Wow. And it's, it's a lot of house for a man like me. I, I'm a man of simple, modest taste despite my wealth, but I do like to host. There's very few things I love more in this world uh, than hosting and taxidermy. So why not combine the two? Hmm. Why not Why not enjoy the elegant things, especially, especially these days we live in where things are so uncertain and uncivilized. Why not show my neighbors what elegance looks hmm. like? Now, do your do your neighbors um, express their appreciation for these displays? Because I was just sort of thinking that, like, you take so much pride in um, setting a great place for your guests and 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 getting your aesthetics and your hosting all all under wraps, and then there's not you're not really getting sort of that feedback from your guests about how much they're enjoying it because their mouths have been sewn shut. Oh yes, but they listen. The appreciation is not measurable with words anyways Mm. the yeah the level of appreciation that they show me i can't even describe it to be honest with you if i had to describe it if your viewers wanted or listeners wanted me to describe it i would say it's like i would say the twinkle in their eye is how i know that they have appreciated my Mm. services the twinkle in their eye the twinkle in their eye. Now, 
Speaking of the eyes, do you go with kind of the more traditional way of closing the eyes post-mortem, or do you replace them with, like, a, say, a glass? Um, it depends. Um, I, 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 you know, listen, we want them to be themselves. Mm. I want all of my guests to be themselves. So some of my guests, you know, when they in their life, they enjoyed a little bit of plastic surgery. Mm -hmm. So I, I wanted them to feel comfortable. So I gave them a few prosthetics. Some of my guests are au natural. So, and they don't need anything. They, they were perfect. They were perfect in every way. They just needed to be, have a good stuffing to be ready for my party. That's really interesting. So you kind of, um, you're almost working in the way that a sculptor would, uh, you know, part of it is, of course, your own creation, but then part of it is working within the constraints of the material that you've chosen. Of course, yes. I uh, Sometimes I do take um, some liberties, but I try to have my guests be as true to themselves as possible. Can you tell me about some challenges you faced in trying to make one of your guests' exteriors um, sort of match their personality? Oh, yes. Um, there was one guest who, in his lifetime, he was an army general. Mm. Um, yes. Uh, so, obviously, if he was coming to my party, which is always an elegant affair, as I previously mentioned, mm -hmm. I wanted him dressed to the nines. So I went to find him a general's outfit. Wow. Complete with a tri-corner hat. And, and what sort of lengths did you have to go to to get that hat? Oh, I had to, I had to commute to Washington, D.C. Um, to a museum that was uh, hosting an exhibition on the American Revolution. Are you, Blake, now confessing to stealing a tri-corner hat from a museum in addition to everything else that we've covered? I wouldn't say stealing. See, these words, I, you know... Stealing is such a despicable word. It's such a filthy word. I would say borrowing. I admit I do have a bit For of a, a puritanical morality around this stuff, but um, I suppose I, I can see your point that, you know, uh, especially, say, while the tricorner hat isn't actually part of a display, if it's just part of the archives, who's it really harming to borrow it for a general? Also, yes. I mean, listen, and how do you think that tri-corner hat got there? They stole it off of a corpse from the American Revolution to put it in a museum. That's an excellent point. You're sort of actually, you're almost repatriating that tri-corner hat, aren't you? I'm reappropriating and repurposing a tool from our history. Why wouldn't the public want to see that on display? And also I'm bringing art to those who wouldn't necessarily be in proximity to it. My neighbors are not the most refined, um, but I, I enjoy them. But I'd like to see them a little bit more cultured. So mm. my tea parties are a service to the community just as much as they serve me. <clears throat> that makes a lot of sense. Um, now, there's uh, something that I'm just sort of thinking about and and, and 
running around in my head right now is that there's a sort of the, the, the central tension in your work as it is. Um, I'm actually kind of thinking, I'm starting to think about you like an artist over the course of this conversation. And well, that's what I've been trying to say. I'm right. An and, and that's, I, I, I feel like the, the, the central tension in your work here is that you want to have as many people as possible have their eyes on your work and you want to be able to share your creativity and your mastery of aesthetics. But then you also, if too many people see your work, it effectively blows up your spot because of the medium you're working in. How do you reconcile that? It, it's a it's an emotional tug of war. I'll say that. I I'll say that it's part of me is as you mentioned. Part of me is an exhibitionist. Mm. I enjoy the the voyeuristic aspects of all of this. Mm. I, I can't lie about that. I, I'd be lying if I said I didn't enjoy the provocative nature of it. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, but part of me is worried about the the machine of it all the the likes the follows the 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 tweet snapgrams it 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 all it's all a bit scary i i am afraid as you mentioned i am afraid of the success it almost becomes um i'm not sure if you watch the tv program hannibal but that's sort of the the, the central tension at the core of that show as well oh uh, me and my guests uh, we don't watch tv Oh, interesting. So what, what do you do when you're not holding uh, tea parties for your guests or actively preparing new guests? Oh, I'm hosting spa days for my guests, uh, croquet tournaments for my guests. Uh, what else am I doing? We, oh, we just did a luau for the guests last week. Um, and then um, Tuesday afternoon, um, you know, one I like them to have a part of the decision-making process for the events. So sometimes the guests will throw things in the suggestion box. Like one of the guests um, in the suggestion box had a suggestion for an eyes wide shut party. Now I thought that was a little bit too risque. So Mm. I, I did not uh, set that up. Now in these events, I mean, a tea party is one thing. I feel like that's sort of um, relatively static. You almost set up a tableau of your guests and then sort of uh, go from there. But with something like croquet or um, say if you had followed through with this Eyes Wide Shut party, um, I guess, do you just sort of use your imagination to animate the guests or is there some sort of like physical manipulation of bodies going on as well? Oh, listen, the croquet tournaments, I will say this. (laughs) You will certainly work up a sweat if you're at one of my monthly croquet tournaments. (laughs) So it's like, um, say say a golf pro teaching someone to swing better. Um, I like to think of it as a full body workout from your hair follicle to your toenails. (laughs) Your hair follicle to your toenails. Oh yes. It's a full body head to toe. It's, It's therapeutic in every way imaginable. You, you, you really should be there one day. Tell you what, I'm going to send you two tickets. You'll need tickets to get into the croquet tournament. Mm. Uh, I'll, I'll send you two tickets, one for you and one for a guest. Well, thank you. Is there a dress code? And if you like, if you like, I have 11 bedrooms, and I would love for you to stay with me and my guests. I would love to host you. Well, um, to be honest, I, I try to maintain uh, some professional distance between 
myself and 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 my guests and callers just uh, um, you know you you have to sort of maintain that a little bit when you get to a certain level of of being in the public eye. But um, the other part of it is, uh, to be honest, I'm 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 a little bit fearful that if I do take you up on your offer, Blake, I'm going to end up like some of your guests. I guess what sort of guarantee do I or or say for that matter, other people in your life, um, friends and coworkers, have of not ending up at one of your tea parties? Oh, well, I would hope that. I mean, listen, are you saying you don't like tea? I, I like tea just fine. It's it's it just seems like most of the um, guests at your tea party have sort of shuffled off the mortal coil, as the phrase goes. And I'm not I'm not ready to go there yet, Blake. Oh, well, listen, if you're just a visitor, you can leave any time you like. Hmm. I'd like to host you for lunch. I'm going to get in touch with your publicist and I'll set it up. Yeah. You have nothing to worry about. And feel free to bring some friends. Listen, I, as I mentioned, I'd love to host. We'll have uh, bruschetta. We'll have shrimp scampi. We'll, we'll have whatever your heart desires. It'll be buffet style. Mm, that does sound excellent. I don't suppose you can do like a, like a lemon curd tart or something. Oh, yes. One of my guests was an excellent pastry chef in a, a previous life. Mm. <laughs> so I've got all the recipes. What? I guess, hmm. I guess I'm wondering if there's, um, well, we talked a little bit about motive already, but I, I don't know how to approach the subject delicately, but uh, it, it, Blake, this this isn't what we would kind of consider like normal behavior, and I guess I, I'm wondering if you've sort of ever looked in the metaphorical mirror and and wondered if there's if there's something unbalanced that's at the root of of this stuffing and these these tea parties. Well, no, I I feel completely centered. To be honest with you, I listen. Uh, I've always marched to the beat of my own drummer. Y your own what? Drummer. Oh, sorry. I heard jumper, which, yeah. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. Uh, no, I've always gone against the grain in life. I've always been eccentric. You know, when I was a child, um, the, the kids would be out front playing hopscotch and tiddlywinks, and I was always indoors reading... Um, learning about anatomy, learning about uh, dissection and uh, cadavers and things of that nature. I, I, I had a mind for science when uh, my peers uh, in grade school were more concerned with Sonic the Hedgehog. Well, right. But I mean, this this what you're talking about now sounds like a fairly isolated child, which, again, um, uh, in a lot of literature about disturbed people that's a factor that they have in common um that just this this inability to connect to people in their their peer groups and the accompanying isolation especially with very intelligent people which it sounds like you are oh yes i'm very intelligent and i, I listen i obviously i'm social i'm having tea parties <laughs> almost on a weekly basis oh i can't argue with that i'm a gracious host i if, if anyone's social out of the two of us talking, I would say it's probably 
me because I'm actually hosting. Well, now hang on. You're you're the guest. I'm the host. I know I, I'm a guest on this show, but I'm hosting parties at my home. You know, I suppose so you're right. I, I suppose that I do need to sort of reciprocate um, your graciousness in being my guest and and take you up on your offer to come out. Of course, that's what I've been saying. We could do it. Uh, we could do a backyard barbecue style with hot dogs, and then afterwards we could all, um, you know, we do a massage train also. A massage train? What exactly is involved in that? Well, we sit, me and my guests, we sit by the bonfire and we all massage train each other. It's just we, you know, take turns massaging each other. It's strictly platonic, not sexual at all. Well, fair enough. Everyone's fully clothed. Everyone's fully clothed and nothing gets massaged below the neck. Mm. Shoot, it's I... Very, it's very... It's very, uh, it's very platonic, and it's 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 that intimacy that we as humans in this state that we're living in, in this day and age, mm. we crave. That's why there's so much killing and looting and adultery because we don't know how to be communal with one another. We don't know how to be with each other. We don't know how to share both our material goods and our life experiences and our time. Exactly. So when you come to my parties, everyone's welcome. Everyone can leave their insecurities at the door. They can leave whatever's going on in their life at the front doorstep because everyone's on the same page. And they're just there to have a good time and some crumpets. Blake, who would be the guests at your dream tea party? Oh, of course. Oh, yes. Uh, Margaret Thatcher. Margaret Thatcher, the Iron Lady. Oh, yes. I hear she likes a good cup of tea. And I feel like a conversation with that woman would be hmm, riveting. You're a fan, then? I'm a fan of her personality, not her politics. (laughs) But obviously, there's no politics allowed at my tea party. Hmm. No politics allowed at your tea parties. That's interesting. That's not something I would have expected. You struck me as uh, these tea parties I thought of as sort of a worldly salon um, environment. Um, What sort of subjects do you discuss? Oh, everything. We discuss fashion and art and uh, wine. Mm. And we discuss uh, space. Lots of space talk. Um, We discuss um, aliens what else do we discuss? Uh, foreign trade. So no small amount uh, of overlap with the subjects we cover on the show. Of course. Yeah, that, that's what I'm saying. Listen, we a, a party that I'm hosting is going you're going your mind will be racing. Let's just say that. I really, you know, the more I talk to you, the more I'm getting sold on and looking forward to this party. I'm I'm almost kind of thinking about it as like a, a, a Pecha Kucha kind of thing and, and thinking of an interesting subject to, to bring a little presentation on or something. Of course. You know, I've always said if we can get our media personalities on board with these parties, that media would be a lot less biased. And I would like you to be less biased. Well, 
it's understandable to I I feel like it would be strange for you not to expect some level of pushback again just knowing what you know about the work that you do and the medium that you're doing it in Listen as an artist I can't worry about pushback I can only I can only feed my artistic demon and he's hungry <laughs> if I do say so myself he's got a voracious appetite Tell me about how you sort of personified your artistic demon well, he's uh, he's he's inside of me. My demon, uh, he just wants to be artistic, and whatever pops into his head is what I do to feed him. So right now, it's tea parties with my guests, and sometimes it's road trips with my guests. You know, uh, we did a we did a cross country trip. Uh, we drove from Pennsylvania to Oregon. Wow. Um, in a van. Yeah, me and six of my very exclusive guests. And we had stops along the way at amusement parks. We, I mean, there's pictures of us on the roller coasters. It's so awesome. That does sound like a lot of fun. Oh, it is. It's it's so fun. It's so fun. And then we, uh, what else did we do on the road trip? Me and my guests, we, um, uh, we went skinny dipping. Skinny dipping? In a lake. Oh, yes. It was a night, it was a balmy night in August. And I just couldn't, you know, the heat was just so unbearable. I just had to cool off. And my guests felt the same way. So we all went for a little dip in a lake. Now, um, again, maybe I'm just not that aware of the sort of mechanics of taxidermy, but isn't there a danger of your guests becoming waterlogged? Oh, everyone wears a wetsuit. <laughs> oh, of course. That makes sense. Yes. Yes, and flotation devices are readily available. It's all safe. I take all necessary precautions to keep my guests safe. Yeah, you know why you would be safe at my home. I'm I'm really try as I might to sort of like um I I feel like I've maybe been a little bit uh unkind to you over the course of this call in terms of like um uh I, I, I guess not necessarily taking what you have to offer in the most positive context I could. I'm always sort of looking for that thing, which is, you know, that that's part of being an interviewer. But um, again, you strike me as a really wholesome, fun person with just a sort of unusual way of socializing. I wouldn't say it's unusual. I but listen. My guests leave my my guests if they ever leave, which I mean I'm treating them so well. Why would they want to? Mm. <laughs> you know, I find my way of communicating very usual. I mean, I have seventy five living guests, and we have parties at any time of the day, any time of the night. Can you say you have 75 guests at your home at any given time? I certainly can't. Exactly. Now, I have 75 friends. You name me one person who has 75 actual friends, not Facebook or Instagram friends, Mm. but friends, tangible friends who are there for you in a pinch. I I certainly don't know anyone in my own life. Like, well, I guess now I know you. I can say that I know Blake, who has 75 friends. Right. I have 75 actual non-digital friends. I would say the ones of us who are on these, you know, tweet, snapogram, face app things with these digital relationships, I would say that's the unusual part. Not 
actually being in communication, just right. doing everything for digital validation. I don't do this for digital validation. I don't care about the likes and the shares and the tweets. I'm the normal one in this scenario. Blake, have have any guests ever left? Yeah, sometimes they have a relative uh, who will come and pick them up, yes. And what have the relatives sort of um, made of your social situation and your living arrangements? Usually the relatives are... Um... They uh, they seem upset when they arrive, but when they leave, they uh, they seem to have uh, had any of their suspicions quelled by me. They're suddenly, after after say an hour in your presence, they're suddenly not talking as much as they were at the outset. Yeah, sometimes they even it's almost like they're begging me to stay and attend the party, and I oblige them. Blake, thank you so much for joining us tonight on Infinite Horizons Radio. Did you have anything else you wanted to tell our audience tonight? Yes. I would like to tell your audience to look to your neighbor, for they could be your greatest ally. And always make room for tea. Thank you so much to Calder Blake for appearing on the show tonight and to my special guest improviser, Mr. Rashid Green. You can follow him on Instagram and Twitter at Sheedypoo, S-H-E-E-D-Y-P-O-O, and you can follow his improv group, Casually Dope, on Instagram at Casually underscore Dope, on Facebook, facebook.com slash Casually Dope, and on Twitter at Casually Dope 1. 